former U.S. National Rugby Team captain. Team captain. Head coach and general manager. General manager. Now, the co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Now. Now. Full contact CEO with Alex Magleby. Hey everyone, thanks for joining Full Contact CEO today. I'm your host, Alex Magleby. I'm also co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Joining me today is Ann Sugar, an executive coach and speaker who's advised top leaders at global companies such as TripAdvisor, Sanofi Genzyme, and Havas. Ann serves as an executive coach for Harvard Business uh, School Executive Education, has guest lectured at MIT, uh, loves Boston, and she's coached the back office of uh, professional sports teams, which is highly pertinent to, to my current uh, role. And thank you so much for coming on. Look forward to uh, exploring some topics today with you. Oh, Alex, I'm excited to chat with you about um, a lot of different things. I think. Yeah, I mean, we could take this so many different ways. It's so it's so exciting. Yeah. To get us going, we're just start with a bit of wordplay. I'm just going to say yeah. a word and say the first thing that comes to mind. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Boston. Sports. Love. Uh, yes. St- yeah. Yeah. Stockyard. A bar. great work (laughs) that's great i love that uh advertising let's see teamwork great covid flexibility culture one of the most important things a company can focus on scrappy gritty i love that kindness one of the most important things for a leader you know i think it's an underutilized concept in terms of kindness, right? It's not about, you know, we all have to be very vigilant about results. We can't have things going awry or people doing things that we don't think is ethical and right. But um, particularly right now in in these times with COVID, it's really about a little bit of kindness, right? Because there's we all have to be a lot more flexible. Um, it's interesting. This uh, I'll tell a quick story about a CEO. He did his town hall because he wanted to show that he was kind and vulnerable and all of those aspects. He did it in his daughter's bedroom, in her bed, with her big kind of love peace sign behind him. <laughs> okay. to, show, to show, and this is a, in a large corporation, he wanted to show that... Um, the human side of who he is and that he has a family, right? And that his kids are home. And it's those kinds of, well, it's not about kindness. It's about the kindness of sharing who you are. And it's about the kindness that recognizing all of us have to deal with these things, right? Whether it's COVID or not. Right. Everybody has a backstory. Right. And there's so so, so much authenticity to that and being like, no, no, my family is actually really important to me. You know, bringing yeah. it back full circle to what you said, that, that results matter, but they don't matter as much as my family, right? And I think that's a that's a, such a massively pertinent point and making sure that's up front, that's visual, people understand that, that it's mm-hmm. not going to compromise, you know, her, his ability to help the company drive towards the performances they want. But at the end of the day, that, uh, that prioritization, uh, I think, is really, really important. And, and, and that, you know, the word kindness, right? It, it plays out not often enough, probably in a lot of these type of conversations from my experience and just how pertinent that is and important for teams and, and companies to have uh, as, as we drive towards performances. So I really appreciated the point about kindness very, very much. I think that there's one kind of subtle point that what you're talking about, Alex, that I want to just make sure that everybody understands and thinks about you can have a high-performing team and get results. That's great. But a high-performing, motivated team that gets results is what we're all looking for. It's that motivating, it's motivation. And how do we get people to be motivated, to do the best results, be creative, et cetera, et cetera, is about people and just being kind. You know, so I, I think that's, it's a very subtle difference about results. You know, a team has to be motivated. Yeah. As well. Can you have a low performing motivated team and they're just on a scale towards does, oh. does motivation always get you to performance? Oh, that's brilliant. No, it doesn't. Um, I think that, oh, that's a really interesting distinction, Alex. Uh, you know what? I think it boils down to the concept that you do have to have goals 
and results, goals and expectations and hold people to that so that you get results. Yeah, you can have a highly motivated team that doesn't get results and that's that's not good either. Right. But like on a rugby field, there's just some things that you can't control, right? You can't control the referee, can't control mm-hmm. the weather. So you, you maximize the, from a statistical standpoint, what you can control, you control the percentages, right? And, and over, over time, you win more than you lose by, by doing such. And obviously yeah. in order to perform in, in that closed environment of a sports team, the motivation is key. Kindness is an interesting one in terms of the behaviors, teammate to teammate, coach to coach. Mm. Um, you know, kindness is a currency. And I'd say respect probably is a currency, a more important currency in that environment. Like you don't yeah. have to be friends off the field. I don't think to have a championship team, to have a team that, that performs. And if that's the end goal of, of that team, uh, but you certainly have to have respect uh, from each other. And a coach once taught me, a mentor of mine that, you know, respect it's, it's like, it's like a bank, right? And, and it's, okay. that's that currency and you put it in every day and, um, you know, you, you gotta be putting that in every day. And I think that was a really, really good way to explain it. You do. And it's something that you have to put, you're absolutely right. You don't have to be friends with the people on your team or, you know, who you work with, but you have to have respect. And I think also too, you're right. What your mentor and what you and your mentor talked about is that it's something that you have to put in every day. But if you break it, that's taking five pieces of the currency out, right? It's, there's an exponential piece of if you're not adding to that bank every day, it hurts more. And you you can lose it a lot faster than you can put it in, right? I think absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's the problem. That trust. It's trust, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So if, if we if we get to the point where we're saying, okay, teams like the victory conditions of a team, first and foremost, they need to connect. They need to have belonging. So belonging is really important. What goes yeah. into belonging, right? It's there's probably some toil that you're doing together. There's some work that happens you're doing together. There's probably trust that. Hopefully you come in inherently saying, I'm going to try to trust, but that trust has to be then layered in over time with toiling together and and building respect and I respect your time and all the other ways that behavior norms go into trust and and that belonging. There's certainly tribalism, I think, that plays into that belonging, you know, rites and Mm -hmm. rituals that are really important, not only in my experience on teams, but certainly in companies, just how important rituals and roles are. Um, and, and then, and then we can start with that clarity. We can start getting towards that. You know, we're talking about performance, which is competencies. Everybody being able to deliver on, you know, knowing yeah. and execution of their jobs, I think, is really important. So, Anne, in your in your capacity, executive coach, like, what does that help us understand? What that what the, what that life is like? What do you do? What does that look like? And is that different when you're dealing with a big biotech company versus a uh, you know, sports entertainment company versus mm-hmm. a startup. Like, how do you approach? How do you approach life as an executive coach? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I've been so I grew up in advertising, um, and I I worked on large teams. And, and you know, I always like to say I wish I had an executive coach back then because you know I definitely stumbled and bumbled in executive team meetings. And um, what it really is is a partner. I'm a partner that helps anybody, a senior leader, grow in terms of areas that they need development in. Or I also like to focus on strengths as well. And when I think about from working, um, coaching in the back office in a, in a pro um, sports team to a startup to a biotech company, I, co- I really coach everybody the same. Right, it, my style. I'm going to meet you where you are and what you need, but we all have this a lot of the same struggles. Everybody does. How do I um, influence upward? How do I um, manage a difficult client? How do I motivate a team? And you, you know, Alex, one that I coach on across the board, from a manager to a CEO, is delegation. And working on the right things. So we all have these commonalities that we're all facing as leaders, you know, and, and it doesn't matter what sector or vertical you're in. But my job is to challenge you, to challenge people and help people learn. 
Love that. There's so many things there that would would be very helpful for me to flush out. So about influencing upwards, like so, mm-hmm. in my case, that's working with a board that you know I, I put together and, and managing towards that board, and and how we best communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Do you work on like the blocking and tackling of that? Okay, this is how you should be presenting yourself in person. This is how what your PowerPoint should be looking like, or is it more like okay when? They're the board one board member saying this, this is how you manage that is it what, like how do you how do you help in that regard like so pretend you're helping me with that and yes. we what would we dig into on that side of things so let's say you have a board member that's kind of a squeaky wheel a bit that's giving you a difficult time um, we'll just take that as a simple example yep i would and and you want to share some sort of piece of data. And it's been difficult to get this person to listen, et cetera, et cetera. We would talk about, well, how how do I communicate? Not the blocking and tackling of a PowerPoint presentation, but how is this person, how is this board member going to hear me? Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so for example, I'll give a story about a biotech um, research director. He would go in front of the board and he would present a 50-page document about all of the, you know, why he needed this money. And he wasn't getting, he wasn't heard, and he wasn't uh, getting the funding he needed. So what we really boiled it down to was the board members stopped hearing him after page five. But he still <laughs> wanted to keep going. Yeah. And I know this sounds yeah. com- so completely simple, like, but yeah. you know, I, would, I said to him, when you get the sale, when you hear them say it, page five, stop, you're done. Don't go on. Nobody wants to hear page 45. And I know that's painful to hear. And you did a lot of work on it. But they don't want to hear it. The sa- you, you got the sale, right? So it's, it's those sort of nuances. And one thing that I worked on with him, let's say you had a difficult board member, same sort of thing. It's how do you tell the story succinctly? Everybody wants to hear a story. They don't want to hear always sometimes the numbers. Sometimes they do, obviously. But how do you tell a succinct story? And that's what I was coaching him on. I love that. We're in the business of storytelling in every capacity then is what you're saying. We all like to hear a story. You talked about delegation there, right? Mm-hmm. This is something like having been, you know, a head coach in a, a very under-resourced, you know, teams and yeah. things like that that we had to work for resourcing, and you, you learn you learn to kind of do everything. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, so now you, I'm building from startup mode to kind of mid-level company in terms of size. And, you know, putting systems in place so we have processes by which the company can can go from, you know, 50 type of employees to, to, to a bigger situation. But, again, that delegation piece is probably an area that I need to continue to work on. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, if, if I come to you with that as, a, as an issue, like for me as an executive, okay, I, I'm struggling to figure out the right times to when to delegate because sometimes it's like I just want to protect this employee. I don't want them to push them too hard. Uh, but really, they should they should probably own this, uh, and I end up doing it at, too late at times, or it's uh, it, it doesn't happen because it's like no 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 I can really I can do this really well so I'm going to do it yeah. and I'll focus on it. Like how do how do I manage that delegation piece? Right. So I think the first, particularly when we've all you know, organizations are have gone much more flat, right? So we. We have to be scrappy in terms of how we get stuff, how we get how we get things accomplished. But the hard part is now you're going to the next level in terms of you have you have this this layer. So here's some things for for everybody to think about: is what are my leadership expectations? Um, what do I expect? You know. These are the first kinds of blocking and tackling things. If there is a problem, you have to tell me immediately. Don't hear these are just small tactics. When you yeah. come in with a when you come in with a recommendation, I don't want to hear just one. You've got to come in with three. And why I'm talking about these sorts of things is we all have to feel comfortable that the people that are working for us are going to do things 
kind of the way, you know, not 100%, tomato, tomato, right? People write a little bit differently than, um, you know, they sell things a little bit differently. But we need to have this kind of ground level expectation piece that people are going to do things the way you want, right? Yeah. Now, one of the hard things, and Alex, you just talked about it, is I don't want to overload somebody. I want to protect somebody. That's a hard point. I say to most people, you got to push. And I'm not saying push somebody off the ledge without the, the safety net underneath. But how do you slowly get everybody to take the risks that you have, Alex, that you've done, right? How did you do it? You know, and, and I talk about that with leaders, right? Um, and two very, I'm, I'm really about simple and small tactics. One thing I say to everybody is look at your calendar and take off as many meetings as you can and let <laughs> your team go. And every email, every piece of paper that crosses your desk, delegate. And now that sounds absurd, right? But the, the point is you have to kind of over-index to bring yourself back to the middle. So it's creating a habit. Essentially, yeah, totally. But then you were in a you were in a, a resource you know constrained environment in terms of there's only so many positions you can hire, right? You can hire, yeah. you know, who's going to run the books? Okay, you can hire who's going to run HR. You can hire who's going to run legal, and that's just kind of like the the back end of running a company, like mm-hmm. that we all that we all have managed. And then it's the actual like okay, content creation of what the company's doing, the curation of that content, the, then the marketing of that content. Then you have sales in very different, all different capacities. And you know, our company basically is live entertainment, you know, live events, media mm-hmm. entertainment, kind of a, as a piece, and then consumer products. And so you can only resource certain parts of that, right? And at the end of the day, in order to make sure it gets done, as as a CEO, that that falls on me to to, to make yeah. sure that it does get done, you know? And so like a typical day, I mean, today it's, you know, there's been like 10 different approvals for certain posts. There's, um, you know, we're, we, we're continuing to launch new gear. We've had a hundred new SKUs in the last two months, uh, you know, from a consumer product standpoint. Wow. And yet we're, people look at us and we're a rugby team, right? And, but like, oh, we hired a new co- a head coach virtually and we've got players announced virtually and um, all sorts. Oh, and then I'm, I ran the books today with our bookkeeper, but probably, you know, my, my positioning is financially, I probably understand it a bit better because I see it every day and okay. the cheese on the road. And so I'll pay the bills instead. And so that's what happens, right? And these like startups. Yes. <laughs> like it's, yes. It's, part about the delegation that I uh, probably struggle with is at the end of the day, so, some, some things you're going to have to do. So you can't delegate it all and just prioritizing what those are. And that's probably, uh, you know, my board has been really good helping me do that and think about it that way. And, and it's, it's that prioritization piece that probably, um, has been, a, has really been a, a good learning experience, you know, but I came to this as a, as a coach, right? Originally that's my, you know, as a head coach and you're coaching a, a, a team like Dartmouth, a, a college team, you don't pick the players effectively. You have a handful of recruits maybe, but really your job is to, knowledge transfer and help those players who show up to be the very best best players they can be. And you don't really get to select who it's there and everything else. And so one of the big lessons that I've learned you know, over the last two decades as an executive is um, kind of taking that, but understanding that. Like I have a tendency to believe that everybody can get it done and right. And my job is to help them get it done as opposed to saying, you know what, it's this actually this position in this company at this time is not the right thing for you. Let's help you move on to a different company because we need somebody who is actually really good at ticket sales and not good at finance or whatever the case may be. Right. So um, that's, you know, again, continually learning lessons there. But again, that's as a, as a background in coaching, that's kind of in like sports coaching, it was, oh, everybody, everybody can do this. Everybody has potential. I'm, my job is to help them all reach their potential. But uh-huh. the reality is it's my job is to, as, as, as a fiduciary of capital to make sure that we perform uh, and that, that may be changing parts in, uh, of the engine. So uh, just different ways yeah. to look at it that I'm slowly trying to uh, come to grips with. I think there are other, there, as a side note, it's true. You know, let me take a step back for a second. I, I think that one thing I want to emphasize that a lot of leaders don't do enough of is when you were talking about when you were a coach in, in rugby in college, you know, looking at the best in people. I think we still need, you know, yes, there are times when you're not in the right fit and we need to evolve you out, but it's 
looking for what's going right, right, and expanding on that. And I think that's, I just want to make sure to emphasize that point that you brought up. And I think, too, so key to delegation and just getting the work done is prioritization. But there's two other pieces to that, too, I think, in terms of what are the things that you really actually don't need to do? Just let them go. Really, really easy for me to say. Yes. But but being really um, ruthless about what are the things that you just, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Yes, it's a nice to have, but it's just not worth it. I love that. We brought in when I was coaching, when I was a general manager for the US, USA Rugby, we brought in um, John Mitchell, famous all black coach, you know, world class coach, mm-hmm. you know, coming from what the, the, the world rugby terms a tier one uh, coach, you know, of a, a tier one country, rugby country to mm-hmm. tier two. And that's what they described USA rugby as. And, oh. and Mitch, Mitch, fantastic. But one of the things I really appreciate at the time, and I had just left coaching now as in you know, kind of the uh, management side of things was, you know, we were talking about something. He's like, well, Alex, that's not my role. And where wow. I had looked at the head coach of the United States of, as a tier two country, no, you're, you're doing everything, right? You're, yeah. you're, um, you're looking at the budget and you're diving deep and you're making sure that the manager is getting the cones on the field correctly. And you're making sure that we are recruiting the right players into the pipeline that five years from now will be on the field that you'll be coaching. So that's how I've always looked at it very much as a startup, mm-hmm. you know, but his mindset was much more one of, no, no, there's probably, there's a bigger ecosystem here that we have to think about. So I'm going to effectively, force that upon this group and it was actually it was it was very refreshing it's like i'm not going to worry about that and it was really good for me to see that as a a, him as a head coach being like you know what all those things to your point are probably important but you know what i'm going to package them up and give them to somebody else and okay then if the problem is we don't have the resources for that somebody else let's work to find them as opposed to me spending the time dealing with those because then I'll be a less effective head coach. And, um, you know, Mitch was, was, was fantastic that, and it was really good just lesson to see that, uh, that he was able to do that. I probably frustrated some other folks, but, um, it, it really was a, it was a, just a very good lesson for me in, um, you know, kind of seeing that and simplifying and ruthlessly making those decisions, uh, mm-hmm. still a work on for me. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a, it's something that every, because it's uncomfortable. Right. And um, saying no or, you know, we want we've all learned that the details and the execution are just, you know, not as important, but, you know, important to the the strategic focus or the vision. Um, But I think what, you know, Alex, one thing that overarches all of this that you were talking about that I also talk about with leaders is having this why. Here's another reason about why delegation, right? Okay, fine. You know, maybe I don't want to delegate. I'm just going to get it done. But you cannot get, you cannot stay in the details that long and not have the thinking time to be strategic and creative. Yeah. And I'll be honest right now. So I write a lot and I haven't had the time to just kind of let my brain be free and think about stories that I'm going to write about and because it, it just makes your brain muddled. I yeah. don't know how other yeah. else to say it. Yeah. You know? well, I completely, I completely get it. <laughs> 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 when you spend, yeah, you spend like you, in the way it's been kind of these first two years, it's, it's, you're, you're, you're doing so much firefighting as, yeah. as you're building systems, but you're also firefighting. Right. And oh, you spend so yeah. much time in that, part of your brain that when you actually aren't firefighting, you're worried that something's wrong. There's a problem when there's not problems. And and then I, I, I sometimes then struggle to go from that mindset to a mindset of, you know, uh, sitting down, having a coffee, thinking strategically and, and again, I, my, my partner, Eric Anderson, has been really good for that to kind of be that side of, of my brain to help me get out of that at times. So I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have a really good partner uh, to, to help me do that. But completely empathize uh, with that feeling around writing. 
in your case, just is that if it's, it's constant firefighting, you get so used to uh, habituated to firefighting, like when that disappears, which is a good thing, <laughs> something's wrong, right? Right, uh, yeah. right. Because we become adrenaline junkies. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good point. For some leaders that I work with, they say to me, I, I challenge everybody minimum 30 w- minutes a week, just do nothing and sit and think. And I, I do not accept that people do not have 30 minutes a week. Everybody does. Yeah, everybody yeah. does. You know, whatever. You, yeah. Everybody can find that. Now, one CEO that I worked with, he said, oh, I just can't do this. I can't, 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 can't. And we figured out a way. He, you know, and we all hear these stories, but he takes a walk for 30 minutes once a week just around the campus of the company that he works at to give him the space yeah. to, to just be creative and think. If you can't sit behind your desk and think, you can't sit in a coffee shop, get out and take a walk. Love it. Yeah, I, find I do a bit of meditation. and um, Meditation? Try to exercise every day as best I can. Like this morning, 6 a.m., I did. We, I ran the, we just mowed our hay field, so I was able to get out and see the sunrise. It was, it was epic. I wish I could say I did that oh, every wow. day. <laughs> <laughs> so if he found me at a moment of zen, it was because of that. And <laughs> that's not an everyday ritual, so to your point, it probably should become one. You know, we, we talk about culture, and we've, we've everybody kind of, okay, culture. How are, how are you defining that? What does that mean to you? I look at culture in a company is almost the living breathe. It's almost a person. The live, I mean, that's kind of trite, but the living breathing aspect of how a company is defined. Um, So for example, in an advertising agency, culture is so important because all you have are people and the creative ideas just like a rugby team, right? You, you have your athletes. So as leaders, how do you define how things get done? What is it that drives who you are? Um, and I, I love telling stories here. So here goes another one. One advertising agency that I worked with, the founder said to me, I I tell everybody, this is how we need to think creatively. This is how we need to think about our teams. But nobody is really listening. I think they're listening, but they're not, right? And it gets into the point of no matter what, you have to say what your what defines your company culture. Not just who, you know, not just acting it, but you have to define it. So she decided on the wall in the in their in their main area, they were going to paint what defined, they had 10 tenants of what defined their culture. So that every day when everybody walked in, they saw it was, um, I can't remember what they are now, but let's just pretend one was like flawless execution, you know, team first. I think she had one of those. So it's, it's the compass. Yeah. How did they, did they, did they do like, so they, they have, they have the tenants and this is where I see, you know, every sports team start of the year, you know, and the better ones will get the players to be a part of this process, but mm-hmm. uh, they write something on the wall and did they then take that a step further and then define the behaviors that lead to that every day, like team first, right? Did they, yeah. they define that? Like, so people understood what that actually meant and then celebrate when those behavior norms kind of were practiced or how did they manage that piece of it? Mm. So I, I think Alex, you bring up a really important point. It's about norms, right? So when I, it, it could be, you know, trust first, all of those. And I think when we think about culture and you bring up a really good point, the team has to help decide. It cannot be a top-down approach. It's got to be bottom-up, top-down. So it's it's kind of a sandwich. Yeah. But one, I think it's all great to say that's what our culture is and, you know, mission values, blah, blah. But, um, you know, and I'm going to contradict myself here now. She had 10 up on her wall. I think it, you only need one to three. I am really about simple. And and then cascading down, what does, let's just make it up, trust mean? Trust means 
I'm going to be on time to practice. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, it, all those kind of smaller tactics. But the thing that she did, which I think is really important, is she took those tenants and those tactics, and that went into everybody's evaluations. Because you have to have teeth to it. Yeah, that's great. I love that. So there are measurables. Yes. That we, we pay attention to what we measure, right? <laughs> like, so. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Right. Yeah, for, for us, that's, uh, that was, uh, that's humble, hardworking, uh, humble, hungry, and, and have fun. And we define humble is community first. So in the decisions we make, it's our, it's our broader community is, is the driver of prioritization, the, the, then the team, um, and then the individual. It is not that we're not focused on the individual and we're focused on ourselves and we're focused on doing our, our tasks and everything else and our mm-hmm. job and, and being the best of us, but realizing that by doing but if we do that, we're also taking care of the team and we're taking care of the community, but we are we are a company based fully on um, building a better community, right? And so that, that leads kind of that side of things. And the hungry, uh, you know, there, there's a hardworking element to that, but it's, it's yes. as much about improvement as everything else is is having the hunger to want to improve. And mm-hmm. so we spend more time measuring improvement than what we're actually doing is, okay, what is the what is the improvement there? Okay, was there an improvement? Great. Why? Why wasn't? Okay, let's focus on, on why, when we did improve, how did that happen? So we spend a lot of time on that. And then we really don't lose sight of the fact that, um, you know, fun, the sense of discovery, learning, mm-hmm. playfulness, to us, that really leads to long-term uh, sustainability, and that's also adaptability. Like if you're having fun and you're, you're having the opportunity to be creative, that leads to adaptability, and that's a really inf- important piece for us, uh, kind of in how we wrap up our victory conditions and what they look like. And then to your point, okay, so what are the measurables behind that? And that's, I think, the key. And then do we celebrate those behaviors on a regular basis? Yeah. Are they ingrained in our, our rituals? Um, another really important piece to just making sure that that's how we continue to move forward. And when we drive to every decision, okay, are, are we making a decision here with the community prioritized first or not, right? Or is the team prioritized first before myself here or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and making decisions in that regard. And that for us has been a, a good compass, uh, to, to use that word, uh, for us as we continue to build the company. Um, and that's well, brilliant. That's brilliant. And I, I think the big piece I would say to you, Alex, too, is, how do, as you grow the company, how do you continue to hire people based on humble, hungry, fun? And I think there was one more I missed. Yeah, those are the three. You got them. You had okay. them. So, yeah, yeah. and keeping that sustainability. Well, yeah, go through a quick story. Yeah, you know, we had to, when COVID happened and we were reevaluating who we are and what we're about and um, you know, we had to cut costs and cut personnel. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, okay, well, there's a couple areas that we have to attack here. Okay, what, what do we try to accomplish on the on the field? And so the rugby side, what do we try to accomplish, you know, on the media side, which is, you know, more than 50% of our company effectively. Mm-hmm. People see us as a rugby team, but, you know, we're really events media and consumer yes. products, right? And, and rugby is just the, the story. It's part of the content of that. And um, we decided that, you know, we needed to make some, continue to make some improvements on the rugby side. So we needed to find a, a world-class coach. And, uh, you know, we had to go through that whole hiring process virtually. And um, our performance manager, Tom Kindly, did a fantastic job of really doing a global search uh, of it, but just the process itself of finding, okay, what is this person's, what adversity has this person gone through? Um, oh. You know, f- getting them to film themselves uh, speaking, uh, getting themselves to demonstrate, you know, just pedagogy at a, at a most basic point. You think you're hiring, you know, the, the Bill Belichick of, of the future, you're going to, you're going to want to assume that they're already good teachers and good at transferring knowledge, but that's a, that's a poor assumption because a lot of coaches who make it to that level, they haven't been, they haven't been actually teaching for a long time. And we felt that that was a really important priority for who we brought on, that they were going to be a very good teacher, not only of, of the professional players they were coaching, but of academy players of, um, 
you know, high school boys and girls. Uh, so that was going to be really important components. We wanted to get evidence that that was the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and so we had to do that through video. And uh, then we had to do Q and A's through video. And then going to that, that, that last tenant in, in regards to, or the last, the second to last one, that hungry part is like, what's the story there? What's the narrative? What, what adversity did they had this person have to face, you know, to, to get to where they are today, where they're even in this conversation to, you know, be the head coach of a burgeoning, you know, sports entertainment mm-hmm. behemoth. That's what I'm going to call it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There you go. Exactly. And, and then, and, and, you know, and so that, there was a lot of conversations around that with people and those with others in that person's life about how they've managed those things, what grind they've gone through to get where, to where they are. And then they have fun part. We really challenged people in uh, the communications that we had to see kind of where their personality was. And um, did they have a bit of banter uh, in a healthy way, in a positive way where they polished, but also, uh, you know, could they be a bit cheeky, Yeah, uh, which is certainly important for, for what we're about. And, and, you know, that was, you know, a three month process, but fantastic uh, to have gone through that experience just in terms of having to hire, you know, world-class talent for, for our needs virtually, right? Which wow. was, which is yeah. totally different. Um, so speaking of virtual, like, yes. you know, you're working w- with, with the people, your, your executives that you're working with. And obviously the last five months, things have totally changed. Great example about the peace sign one. How are you finding that? Um, and how are you helping folks, lead virtually, right? Is the, is the human element still there? I think you brought up that great example that again, the peace sign, how is feedback given? Like, what are you finding works is not working? Right. Uh, so, oh, there's, there's many, there's, a, <laughs> and I don't know. Like, time do we have? Oh my goodness. Yeah. But I think, well, let me go back to your story about how you hired virtually. I think one thing, two things for everybody to think about is, you were looking for grinders, right, too. And I think that's so important in terms of leaders. We're all going to have adversity. We're all going to be, you know, having hiccups along the way. And that's what I want to stress now when we talk about virtual. There's going to be hiccups. It's not going to be perfect. You're not going to have, sometimes you might debate, you know, how do you disagree virtually, right? How do you have There's so many different kind of aspects to it. Um, so again, I go back to simple, small details. Part of it, when we think about influence in people, is being able to see. I'm a far big believer in body language. Okay. So a small, in terms of how we influence, how, you know, is somebody listening to us, et cetera, et cetera. People need to have their cameras, you know, if you're doing a Zoom. Don't have it so we see from the nose up. The small detail of you know, how you small details, right? They matter yeah. so that I can see how your arms are going, right? Yep. I don't want don't be sitting in a tunnel in your office so that it almost looks like you're in a cave. Get a light, you know they're they're so cheap on Amazon. You yeah, know? they're so and cheap, and a camera, and a mic. Yeah. yeah, get a good mic. You know all those little details. And um, two, maybe two last points that kind of come up to for me is it's all about slowing down. We all because we're working from home, we're working virtually. We're actually much more efficient. But yeah, the, there's not a commute and everything else, right? Right. But the efficiency hurts us in two ways. We can get a lot more done, right? I can have that two-minute you know, Zoom video, and then we're done. Uh, you know, I'm going to direct you to do this. Instead of how do I slow down on a Zoom call and let everybody talk, even though that is beyond painful, right? You are talking, but letting everybody talk, right? So it's slowing down there. And here's a kind so I'm going to be contradictory here because I, I love the contradiction. <laughs> a lot of people are zoomed out. It's time to start having some phone calls again. So I'm going to agree with you more. Have some phone calls. It's phone calls, you know, phone worked in the past. Let's start, let's start with phone calls again because having over 30 Zoom meetings a week is too much. It's crazy. It's too much. And my brain hurts after. It's like my eyes hurt. <laughs> I'm doing everything I can to get off, even though it's like you want to be talking to the person. It's fantastic. Yeah. And you're like, uh, it's this this odd, like, um, 
energy zapping phenomenon and the culture around it too is very weird because it's like oh is this going to be it's going to be a video one is this not going to be a video one oh i started with video they're all not on video do i stay with it do i so i've just gone to like that i'm going to have the video on and i'm going to stick with it unless i can't you know unless i'm like like right. carrying kids with poopy diapers around or something right like it's like, <laughs> 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 and even then i probably the phone's on and just people are going you know the, the, the videos on people are like what are you doing man <laughs> but you oh alex it's true people leaders tell me this it is energy zapping we need to stop with some zoom and it's expensive because everybody that every time i get a meeting together with all our people that's you know 30 minutes to an hour of a lot of people being paid to be on a zoom and only yeah. one person's talking and usually it's one of us pontificating about something and don't get me wrong there's a lot of productive stuff that does yeah, happen yeah. but it's it, it, it is it has replaced what normally informally used to happen in like bumping into people at the uh-huh. water cooler effectively that was a 30 second conversation that then turned into an email that was the action item is now like okay let's schedule a zoom and like the minimum time frame to schedule a zoom is like 15 minutes and then you're packaging minutes around that to just in case and so it really is a 30 minute is kind of the minimum mm-hmm. so then you have these blocks of time of 30 minutes and it's yeah, I, 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 <laughs> it's uh, driving me batty. It, it's driving a lot of people batty. Yeah. Uh, start with, we need to start slowly evolving phone conversations back in or a quick email, quick Slack, whatever it is. And then the last thing virtually that's been coming up for a lot of people lately is people are not taking vacations. Interesting. How can leaders have people, even if you can't really take a vacation, I don't, maybe it's, I don't feel comfortable getting on a plane or maybe this or that, you know, my Airbnb fell through, whatever it is. Yeah. But how do you get people to take even just an after a Friday afternoon off and, you know, go off and do whatever it is that they go take a bike ride or uh, I don't know, go hiking something yeah. people we're becoming so efficient. People tell me I am on my computer seven to eight every day. And I never, and I don't get up. Right. And I'm fried. Yeah. Completely fried. In the office, we do have the downtime, the frittering time and nobody's kind of have that frittering time anymore, you know, just to, you know, whatever it is, walk around the office, sitting in your chair for 12 hours, working on Zoom calls is burning people out. That's one last thing I want to bring up in terms of I think the human element, the the, the humor, the fun, the randomness, the spontaneity. That's better. Yeah. Is, is, is missing. Right. And so probably my, my team, my staff is like, Alex, why are you calling me again? We just talked on Zoom. Oh, because just I want to have a laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's tell each other the worst jokes we can think of, but yeah. just, let's do something just to, just to connect the, where it's not talking about a, a spreadsheet or something like that. So, yeah, that's a, it's a, trying to figure out little nuggets like that in order to manage it and to make sure that we're still connected from a um, – because you don't get you don't get that emotional piece. I don't I don't know sometimes how my team is doing because it is it's all driven by email, texts, and Zoom. And so I, I there, there's probably an honesty that's not there where we can look each other's in the in the eye and say, oh, you're actually having a bad day. How can I help? Or mm-hmm. you know, I, we're not getting some of those, and that's you know that's a that's an element that I'm trying to figure out how we can better do and sometimes that's just asking how you're doing and making sure that yeah. that's the case whether that that honesty comes through on a zoom is probably um that the body language that you spoke about is a really important piece um to that and you, we don't get a lot of that you know we don't get a lot of that with zoom no um, you don't you've worked with some great teams you know from a from a company aspect you know even sports teams mm-hmm. uh your observations uh, the best teams do what, and the teams that are struggling, what are they missing? Ah, the best teams are, I'm going to say it the opposite way. I, I hate negativity, but this is the only way that I can say it. The, the teams that are not high functioning are finger pointing because at the end of the day, 
a high functioning team is, you know, motivated and we can define that. But I think really high functioning has to do with creativity. And, you know, it's not about thinking up the next, you know, iPhone. What I'm talking about is just creative thinking and problem solving. And a high functioning team has to feel the trust that I can say the most ridiculous thing and I'm not going to get finger pointed or I'm going to make a mistake and I'm not. Yes, of course, we all, you know, there are times when, uh, you know, there are consequences for mistakes. But how do you it, it's lately it's really about the finger pointing, you know, don't. Yeah. That is one of the most toxic things, um, you know, that that brings down a team. Yeah, people, nobody wants to get in trouble, and so they just continue no. to pass the buck, you know, for whatever of, reason. Yeah, there's some system systemic thing behind that, uh, right? Yeah, where I, I, I think that's one thing that's been coming up lately, and you you think about it in terms of peers, right? That the level below, how do you make sure that? All of that, you know, we're looking at our organization as a learning, creative organization. It's not going to be perfect. We're always going to be learning. Yeah, I love that. Our uh, my board, you know, they're they're fantastic, and that's one of the things that kind of they've they've helped me with is is, is listen, Alex. You, you go fast, but you're so worried about excellence and all these things, and, and making sure that we hit every single target. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just just fail a bit more, but just do that right like it's it's going to be okay uh which has been interesting um uh to to kind of go through that uh, that's probably some some area i struggle I, you know to their point is like you're overthinking some things or you're you're overthinking is probably the wrong word but you're thinking about them so much to make them right that mm. let's just do 50% of that right and we're going to be okay 60% of that right and we're going to be okay I'm like, wow. easy for you guys to say because we always have to prioritize and someone's <laughs> got to do that. But yeah, anyway, but they're, they're good. They're, they're, they're really good at kind of helping me look at the big picture in that regard and helping the organization continue to move forward. Um, so we're, we've introduced, you know, a new sports entertainment company to New England and, and uh-huh. Boston. Kind of what should be the most, our most important focus? In What's terms your, of... Just you know, we're in a we're in a crowded space, a, a wonderful, beautiful sports space. You know, given oh. the tradition and the and the wonderful teams we have mm-hmm. in the area. But just you know, okay, so we're new, we're new to the scene. Um, what should we? How should we make ourselves be the you know the next Patriots? I guess you're like, do you have a hundred years? <laughs> no, you know what? <laughs> no, what I was thinking was. Wow, what a fantastic place to start with a new team because Boston is such a, you know, we are a town that loves sports. Love. We celebrate sports. Um, and that, I think it, a lot of it has to do with storytelling and what makes people what makes your team interesting different because we're awesome is that good enough (laughs) (laughs) you know like (laughs) that 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 is true but uh you know if you go back to bill belichick right just do your job yeah i mean like that the stoicism thing right that's that's kind of interesting. It's or, a great narrative. Yeah, it's a great narrative, it's a and it works. Great narrative. A lot of people have tried, right? In 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 sports, and it hasn't worked for a lot of folks. And but um, right, he's or, an exceptional coach. Right. Or right now, kind of like the storyline of the grittiness of some of the. I'm just kind of trying to think through the, the uniqueness, right? Like the grittiness right now of the Bruins. Yeah. And like Chara, you know, those guys yeah. are dealing with, you know, all these hidden injuries. We all don't know what. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like what's the, what's we're, the I mean, thing? Yeah, we're international, right? We have, you know, 11 different countries represented. It's, it's, so it's very global. It's very inclusive mm-hmm. and probably what rugby offers that you really don't get in other sports entertainment experiences 
is the the festival, the celebration around the sport. It yeah, it's it's highly competitive, and that's and, and the, the, what's playing out on the field is 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 um it kind of connects with all the best of our sports. You know, there's, it's fast paced, but it's physical. There's kicking, but there's tackling. And so it kind of combines that. So you got this, this thing that's beautiful yet physical happening in front of you. Yep. But the irony of that is what's happening in the stands is people are like, Hey, how are you? You're wearing a, a jersey from a from a different team, and you know we're going to buy each other a beer, and we're going to celebrate when something good happens on the field, no matter who does it. Even though I want my team to win, um, so it's a it's this massive appreciation for how competitive the sport is. Like it's it's like the purity of competition, but then it ends, and it's it, it's it's uh, it's just sport. But I say that in such a positive way, and and, <laughs> and um, we understand that okay, this is just an expression of. You know this this great two two great teams playing against each other and it's really fun to watch and it was really compelling and high drama and you know my team lost but I'm still I'm really glad that I was able to be a part of it and uh, we were singing songs and there was great tailgates and people dressed in costume and everybody's having a laugh and there's people from all over all different socioeconomic backgrounds yep. and they were able to stay connected and be a they, you know they were sitting in the same areas of the of the stands and just a really coolness to it that you don't really get in a lot of, um, in really our, our other sports entertainment experiences uh, in the United States. And so I think that's just a really, really compa- compelling narrative. That's it why is. the live live event piece is so important for us to bring in new fans because they can experience that. Yes, it's it, watching it on TV, if, if done right, it's a, it's, re, it's really fun to watch because it's a big, big ball. Everybody can follow it. Uh, you've got these handsome guys and you can see their faces. Mm-hmm. You can, you can, you, the American sports psyche, non-rugby sports psyche does understand tackling. They do understand give and goes. They do understand passing. They understand tackling. You know, the scrum is just basically from football to scrimmage line. So there's a lot of things that we kind of half understand. So yes, as a media property, it can be, it can be compelling, but I think the entree for most people is actually going to be that live events experience that you just don't necessarily get where it's just, people are just good people, right? And yeah. for those few hours of the day that they're hanging out, they're just good people and kind of they're celebrating the, the work week, week being done. And I think that's the, the beauty of what our sport can offer. Uh, ah, so you know what your storyline is? Community. Love it. It's all about community. I don't know why this random thought came into my head, but here it goes. If you think two things, if you think two things about community, I don't know why this is coming up, but here it goes. Kentucky Derby. You know how they make it this event and every, and it's like a community thing. And it's, I know that's only one time, but how do you make it kind of that, right? Absolutely. Like some element of that. Now, I'm really going to date myself here, Alex. Oh, my God. But here we go. <laughs> About community. I grew up in Dallas when okay. the Cowboys and Roger Stallback yeah. and that whole crew, Mean Joe, uh, Two Tall Jones. Yeah, uh, Two Tall Jones. All of them. It's right. not one of the football cards, I think. Yeah. So, to, this is a this is something community that would come up. They would come to our school and talk to us, right? And it was this. It, they saw them on Sunday on TV, That's and you good. saw them on Sunday. It was this grassroots community thing. They were legends, but they still went around back then and i know it's different now you can't really do all that sort of thing but how how can it you take community grassroots i love it i absolutely love it and that's you know i I think you just you've just summarized very much what we've been setting out to do and for us it's participation so we're really increasing the number of opportunities for people to learn how to play the game ref the game coach the game that's a big work on for us so we've we're really resourcing that but as important as that participation as fans obviously not being able to have the live events this year right. really has affected that um, but continuing to drive, yeah, to continue to drive, you know, back towards higher purpose for everything is that we're in this to help others build better communities, right? And so that's getting involved. You know, we, we've done some 5K races and, you know, helped out oh. ALS and a lot of other areas and just making sure we're really continuing to drive towards that and then bringing people together who otherwise wouldn't get together. And I think that's 
that's what yeah. we can do. And I, and I love that community. Um, what would you do if you were running the Free Jacks, the company? What would you focus on? Two things. I would look at how can I do more with my competition, right, to build community. Okay. Uh, is there a way to do that? And then when I think about other professional teams, how in other professional leagues, what are other what are other ways I can build revenue streams? Ultimate is like right, Patriot Place. Yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. That, Real estate play. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that, you're, you're, you're spot on. Yeah, there's. Yeah, that's in the most a lot of the the, the most healthy. Um, you know, the higher valued Forbes uh, uh, sports uh, franchises. Or have a big portion of that as a real estate place. I mean, speaking of the Cowboys, right? Obviously, yeah. with their stadium, and that's a, that's a really important piece to to a lot of it. And, and some leagues have gone the opposite direction, and not really. It's not been really about real estate. It's been trying to make it as attractive as possible as a media property. And that's you see probably almost like from an F one standpoint or PLL, and more like a tour model. Um, oh, yeah. We're probably in both in both spaces. I think for us, it's. The sport is really awesome and great, and that's that's kind of drives our live events, but it's one of the pieces that we can recreate. So if we're going to be that three hours for you, two hours for you on a Saturday, you know, mm-hmm. what, what can we provide for a minute or two each day uh, to, to kind of help provide that same energy and feeling that, that you have in those live events? I think that's really important. And over, over time, I think we can probably man- monetize that as a yes. brand. Um, yes. I mean, even to the simple point of like, owning the parking garages right or yeah. if i yeah, think exactly. sports teams right like and that's how the, the crafts right doesn't that they originally on the parking around the stadium or something yeah, at, at, at something like that right or yeah you know or is there another driver you know you think about it's like side hustles right everybody needs kind of like a side hustle the side hustle uh now i'm really going off topic but it's like it's having somebody, you know, like if you think about the Super Bowl, rugby is a centerpiece, but what are these other little side hustle things that also bring people there that can right. expand out your audience? Right. The Free Jacks band and the um, the, the different con- the axe throwing contests and the strong strong person yeah. contests and the yes. races around it that, that really represent kind of the, the ethos of rugby, of getting together and being healthy and doing healthy things and then celebrating that, that work that you just did together, you know, five K's, things like that. Yeah. And that's certainly built into that festival concept. I think for us is making sure that, you know, we continue to drive towards having that opportunity to be live events, but making sure that we have, and we're packaging those feelings as best we possibly can uh, virtually. And that's what we've been trying to do. You know, we've had a bunch of like, you know, get togethers with season ticket holders online. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Like oh, it's, it's very, great. very great. Yeah. They're fantastic. And then, you know, we launched three separate uh, podcast verticals. You know, we've the last month, sorry, two months, we've probably recorded 50 plus hours of published rated podcasts, which has been, which has been really cool. So just continue to think of other ways to share that same, um, that feeling of, you know, let's let's work hard, but let's celebrate that and have fun with each other. Kind of mindset. Let's be polished, but let's be cheeky at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's be welcoming. Let's um, make sure that the the community is first and bigger than ourselves. I think those are all brilliant pieces. Mm-hmm. Rapid fire for you. Okay, but you know what? If you think about your just to take a step back, yeah, polished and cheeky is kind of the culture. Yeah, you're talking about the duality well. is is awesome. That's exactly right. Okay, who who in sports in any league? And if you don't want to pick a sports person, you can pick an executive. Um, could take on a grizzly, grizzly bear, without any weapons. Oh, it would be. I hate to say this. It would be, well, a rugby player, obviously. <laughs> Come on, of course, but can you uh, name a rugby player? Is the problem? But. Uh, or, that's our problem. That's my problem. If you can't name a rugby player, that's uh, on, that's your future. Next, when we have a phone call again, next that'll be all of all of I have all of helped in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, um, uh, Chara, he'd take down a grizzly with nothing. Okay, done. Favorite, is it a, a, a book you're reading now, or a favorite book you've read lately? 
Oh, goodness. Uh, you know what? I think everybody should read. This is not a book, but I think people need to, we all need to be reading and I'm not affiliated. You know, I'm not Harvard business review. Yeah. Agreed. I, I, I think that's an important thing. People eat and you can just look online as well. You don't have to have the yeah. magazine. Yeah, favorite sports moment. Doug Flutie. And that's awesome. Yeah. So good. <laughs> so good. What is something you have never done, but would love to try? Bungee jumping. You want to try yeah. that? <laughs> I've never tried it. <laughs> yeah. I have no desire. That's amazing. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, like flying. A lot of people love it. Totally love it. I feel like my brain would like have some pressure sensory overload. <laughs> or my spine. My spine. Yes. yes. Yeah, that, doesn't look, that doesn't look great. And it was uh, so good to connect. And oh, I just great. really, really appreciate you jumping on. And there's so many there's so many good pieces there to, to delve in further on the next time we can catch up. Absolutely. Great to have you. Thanks. Uh-oh. Thank you so much. It's been great to chat with you as well, Alex.